Hello and welcome to the I Am Necessary Podcast. This is your guy, Marcel Johnson. As always, thank you so much for making the time and taking the time to tune in. Please show your love and support by subscribing to the podcast and sharing the podcast with anyone out there who you think needs to be affirmed and celebrated and the fact that they are indeed necessary. Okay, so without further ado, and that being said, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the I Am Necessary Podcast. This is your guy, Marcel Johnson. And right now I have on the phone with me, my guy, Joe Mullins. Joe is a airplane mechanic. He runs a team. They work on airplanes, hydraulics, the whole nine. Joe is a father of two of the most beautiful girls you've ever met in your life. He's a husband to a beautiful, fiery woman that I have the utmost respect for. A son to a beautiful mother, an avid mountain biker enthusiast. A skater, if it's outdoors and it's adventurous, then you can probably find Joe there, right? I also hear that he has a brother-in-law who's probably one of the coolest dudes on the earth. So, secrets <laughs> out, Joe is my brother-in-law. So, the big thing about Joe is he is a recovered addict, okay? Which is the correct way of, of stating it. But uh, nonetheless, that's why I have him on the show, because spending time with Joe, he has an interesting story. And I just felt like it would be cool if he shared with the world kind of his journey, where he was, all the things he's gone through, and how he's got to be just this super cool dude. So let me just start with this, Joe. What what was your vice, your substance of choice? Uh, I mean, that's kind of a tough question. Uh, I mean, I guess it kind of started out with, you know, the simple things like smoking weed and drinking beer. But, uh, you know, over several, a several year span of experimenting with uh, a lot of different things, it kind of, uh, you know, um, moving into psychedelics and, and some other stuff. And then, um, you know, ultimately at the, uh, at the end of my using career, it was um, crack cocaine and, and heroin. Okay, okay. And at what point did you know that you were an addict? There's, there were a lot of signs along the way, um, you know, I guess, you know, there, there's a lot of definitions and it depends on, you know, who, who you ask or what makes you an addict and whatnot. But, um, you know, for me, I guess, uh, crossing some lines that, that maybe I, I thought I, you know, internally told myself I, I wouldn't cross, you know, um, maybe, you know, doing things I wouldn't have normally done. Uh, but ultimately, you know, when when the party was over and the time it was time to to stop and uh, and and kind of get get my get my stuff together, I guess. Um, well, I, I mean, I guess ultimately what happened, I kind of got caught up caught up with the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a few months in jail, okay. and when I got out of jail, uh, you know, I'm on probation. Few few simple rules the probation officer told me to do when I went and visited him for the first time. He said, "You need to get a job. Uh, you need to come see me every week, and uh, you, you you can't do any drugs or alcohol while you're on probation." Uh, and I'm like, "Okay, fair, e- easy enough." He seemed like some normal everyday uh, requests, I suppose, if you're on probation. And uh, you know, and this is just kind of when I when I realized that. You know, I had I had passed a line that that I couldn't quit, uh, even with my you know utmost desires. I guess. Yeah, you said you couldn't quit. It's funny because 
I heard something that said, you know, when you can stop, you don't want to. And when you want to stop, you can't. You know, it's just a, a crazy conundrum that people get into. It's almost like gambling, you know. You 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 roll, you got a hot hand, and you're like, ah, I probably should stop, but I can't right now because I'm on fire. You know, you mentioned crossing some lines. Uh, let me ask you, if you could, what is one thing that you destroyed during your addiction that you can never get back? That's a good question. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Any anything of of importance to me, I have been able to get back. You know, um, what does that look like? I mean, how is that? I mean, you know, so so basically, sorry, I I kind of I get a little emotional when I when I think about it. But yeah, yeah. you know, you burn you burn bridges with family and friends, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, you you think you might do some damage that, that you'll never get back. But uh, ultimately, through um, you know, through a lot of work over the years and just time of uh. You know, actions speak louder than, louder than words. Uh, when I was out there, you know, running and gunning, I said a lot of things to to use people and to get what I wanted. And, you know, so it took it took a long time to uh, just continuously doing the right thing and people watching what you're doing. And, uh, you know, before they're like, okay, he, he has actually, he, he is on the right path and, and we do trust him now, you know. So I thought people's trust would be hard to gain back, but... Uh, you know, doing the right thing and just 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 grinding and, and doing what you're supposed to do. Uh, you know, I've, I've gained back, you know, anything I could ever dream of plus more. Uh, I would say, you know, ultimately something that I was not able to gain back is I probably burned up some, some brain cells while I was out there. <laughs> right, and, right. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to focus sometimes. And it's, you know, I might uh, forget what I was talking about mid-sentence. But... Uh, you know, ultimately, I came out alive when I should be dead, so um, doing pretty good. Well, it's crazy because, you know, you have that <clears> perspective, <throat> and some people may know you now but didn't know you when you were an addict. So I know a lot of times we're really hard on ourselves, but every time, you know, when I get doses of your story, I'm blown away, you know, and it just gives me more respect for the man that I see in front of me now because what I see in front of me now is just the super cool dude and you know the work that you had to do to get here is just you know kind of hats off to you um i don't thanks myself no problem what what would you tell so let's let's talk about this people out there who may be uh living with an addict but they may be a little bit in denial right what would you say to them what what types of things should they look for when their son or daughter is using or whatever and they they're not really certain you know is this an addiction or is this just recreational so speak on that a little bit like what would you tell someone who's living with an addict in denial i mean that's a, that's a tough one um you know ultimately it, you know if you know the person's an addict there's 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 a lot this is a kind of a gray area you know if you're in denial or you're just not willing to take action you know say uh you know, say you have a son or daughter living with you and, you know, you're, you're doing your best to help them along, you know, maybe you know they're an addict. Maybe, you know, they have sought some help at some point. Um, and they, you know, I mean, for me, I guess I'm just thinking for me, it didn't happen. Uh, it didn't happen. It wasn't an overnight thing, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, I started, I started uh, you know, I initially started 
I would say going over the deep end, um, probably 2001, 2002, and I didn't get completely sober since 2009. And um, people always want to want to help. They want they want to see the best for you. You know, my mom was always willing to help. She was always willing to take me to a rehab or take me to a halfway house or take me in and feed me a meal. But I would say ultimately, what got me sober, part of what got me sober, was when all that stopped and no friends or family wanted to help me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was just you know. Sometimes helping people isn't necessarily helping them. It's just helping right. them, stringing them along for, for a longer period of time, you know. Uh, ultimately, when no one would have anything to do with me, that was when uh, I took a, a good look at myself, and, and that's kind of when I, when I took some action, you know. If you're, if you're sitting on a corner for over overnight, you know, a, a few times wondering what the fuck you've done with your life, um, and there's no one to call, nobody to, you know, buy you lunch or help you do anything um that's kind of you know when you take a, a, a look at what you're doing like goddamn, something's got to change hmm. wow powerful how did you how did you support your habit uh you know ultimately there, there's uh I, i've been you know i've done a little bit of everything um you know in the early days i used to you know make money make money with drugs it's easy just to you know, buy in bulk and, and sell it to buy more and whatever you got left over, that's yours to keep. And then there's the breaking and enterings and the panhandling and, um, you know, lying to friends and family, I need money for this or for that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've been that guy on the median as you're pulling onto the freeway with a little sign saying, you know, anything helps. Um, you know, uh, I'd pretty much do do whatever it took to, to get my fix that day. Um, I did work a lot of, you know, telemarketing, landscape jobs. Uh, you can pretty much get hired and paid that same day, basically. Ride that out until I couldn't show up anymore or, you know, didn't go back to the yard with the work truck or, or whatever it was. <laughs> well, it's funny. Uh, about your, your journey and your past, I'm going to... Say two words for you, and whatever comes to your mind, whatever you want to share about that piece, go ahead. Grateful Dead. Uh, I mean, Grateful Dead was a big part of my, uh, you know, a part of my journey. I, um, you know, I, I decided to go for, a, you know, I met this kid when I was younger. Uh, you know, I was what, 21, 22, and uh, he was a deadhead, and, you know, we just we became really good friends, and he kind of was like, man, you got a pretty good hustle. At the time, I was going to rave parties and, you know, selling LSD and making some money on, you know, some ecstasy and whatnot. But, uh, you know, he was like, man, you got a pretty good hustle. You should go check out this hustle. And, you know, I loaded up a backpack. Uh, I caught a flight to uh, Berkeley, California. And uh, that was in 2000. What's that? Uh, yeah, Berserkly. I'm from the Bay. We call it Berserkly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh you know, I mean, well, I flew into Oakland, actually, and then, you know, we cruised over to Berkeley, and, um, you know, that was, uh, I had money, and I had a backpack, and uh, that kind of set me off on a three, three-and-a-half-year thing. I mean, we were just, you know, following, uh, you know, the Grateful Dead wasn't really the band anymore. It was, uh, um, you know, the leftover band members, and, um, you know, just in a different city every day, um, making money, partying, kind of a, kind of a make-believe, fairy tale type uh, situation, really. Um, 
but uh, yeah, you know, you learn a, a lot of stuff in a very short amount of time when you're in a different city every day. Might wake up with a dollar in your pocket. Might wake up with five thousand dollars in your pocket. You, you never know what you're gonna get. So it's just a. Uh, it was definitely um, that was a a good learning experience, I guess, in my life. But then I did come back with some seriously bad habits because you're doing mass amounts of in every drug under the sun and hanging out with some interesting folks. How long have you been sober? <laughs> I've been sober for a little over 10 years now. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Congratulations. Man. And you. and how did you how did you start your rebuild? Okay, you're sober now. It's almost like for X amount of years, your life has just been put on pause and now here you are in this this world where you are awake, and now how do I function? So how did you start your rebuild? So you know, I, I tried to get sober many and many a times before this last time finally worked for me. You know, um, I found I found it through a twelve step program. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's something that's um that uh, that I got pushed into kind of young, and you know, I'm whether I thought it would work when I was younger or thought I had a problem or not. You know, it was something that I knew was available should I decide I, I need to go that route. Before I got sober, I, I stayed in several halfway houses, um, rehabs. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I've stayed at the Salvation Army a couple of different times and uh, a few different a few different rehabs and, um, you know, who knows how many halfway houses. And they're all the same. They kind of push this 12-step program on you, and uh, it's... Uh, I couldn't deny that it it worked for people, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I would see I would see you know guys whose lives were you know more fucked up than mine, <laughs> and they you know had good productive lives, you know, same right. things you'd mentioned right when we started, kids and mm -hmm. good jobs and relationships with their family, and um, I'm like, damn, I could, I don't know, that looks that looks good, but it just doesn't seem to be working for me. And then this last time. This last time was just, uh, I don't know, there was just a short window. I felt like you know, I was on a bender for, for about a week. Um, just, you know, just uh, it was pretty lonely time, you know. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, just smoking crack. I was at a hotel room, Motel 6, and uh, smoking crack and shooting heroin and uh, for a few days. And, uh, you know, my, my you know... <laughs> I kind of joke around and say, I didn't have a drug problem. My problem was I always ran out of drugs. You know, it's like when I, when I had drugs, uh, things were all right. You know, I didn't have to, I didn't have to look at what was going on in my life. It just kind of numbed me to everything. Yeah. Uh, it, it was just when I was out of drugs, that's when I, you know, I couldn't maintain really, you know. So I was on this bender and, uh, and you know, this one, this, the last night, actually, I think it was a Saturday night. I'm in this whole hotel room sitting here by myself, just um, with this crack pipe, smoking crack, looking at this chunk of crack on the uh, nightstand, and I'm like, damn, like this is, this is this is like the high, this is the pinnacle of my life right now. Wow. Like, this is the best my life, this is the best my life is going to get, you know. I got a crack rock crack pipe, and I'm in a closed fucking room. And, uh, you know, I've had these, you know, thoughts before, and, you know, I didn't, right at that moment, I didn't think things were going to change any, you know. Uh, but I smoked all the crack up, left the hotel room, didn't have anywhere to go. And uh, I went to this halfway house that I had stayed at, passed out in their lawn, and they uh, guys came out and got me a few hours later. And um, 
and that was kind of the start of my journey. You know, I woke up a couple of days later, mm-hmm. and you know, the first the first thing they did was, "Hey, come on, we're, follow us. We'll, we'll we'll guide you through it." You know, and uh, I guess I was just beaten down to a point of uh, of willingness. Right. You know what I mean? It's like when you you know, like in an MMA fight, when someone's getting choked out, I mean. It's official. They're officially tapped out. You right. know, yeah. got no, nothing left. I lost. Like yeah. I'm done. You know. And then I just, you know, I don't want to go into all the details of, of you know, twelve step program. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, you can definitely find out that information and whatnot. But uh, I followed guys who I thought were successful. You know, which looked like to me, success looked like living indoors, smile <laughs> on their faces, right. uh, laughing, joking friends you know just the simple things man you know um and then uh you know and, and giving back is a big part of that program i took a uh, i took a 12 step meeting into uh community bridges detox for about a year and a half two years every monday mm-hmm. uh for my first couple of years you know my first you know year and a half sober i did that and then uh you know things have changed throughout the years different you know different things um so right now, you know, I guess we're in a pandemic, quote unquote, to double click on that a little bit. And <clears throat> a lot of people have relapsed. Suicide rates are up. Uh, people are <clears throat> turning to drugs and alcohol to kind of cope. We know some relationships are falling apart. My question to you is with, and I don't know if you knew this, with like alcohol sales up 400% during this whole pandemic you know how have you been able to maintain and just stay locked in uh that's a good question you know you know honestly it hasn't even crossed my mind myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know i'm so i I got my program so so locked up tight not to say i couldn't go get drunk tonight and throw everything away and give everything that i've worked hard over the last 10 years away in a weekend because i could i've done it before once i've had i had that experience you know for me the the way they broke it down for it for me was you know my addiction it's it's an allergy like i'm allergic to it you know as long as i don't put it in my body i won't have that allergic reaction because as soon as i you know it could be one beer i'll drink a beer i'm like damn that beer hit the didn't quite hit the spot i need another one you know a couple more feeling good (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, let me get a margarita. Sweet. Where's the cocaine at? Awesome. Let's do it. You know, it's just it's just like that. It's the switch. As soon as that switch gets turned off, so and it's just you know they explain it like an allergy. You know, someone who's allergic to milk, you cannot drink milk for five years, but as soon as you drink milk, you're still going to have that allergic reaction. You know, yeah. so I just kind of learned. I just learned myself that it's no matter what's going on around me, <clears throat> no matter you know how tough things get. Uh, I try not to let my outside circumstances um, affect my internal condition, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And well um, I just keep rolling, man. I mean, it's been hitting some people harder than others, you mm-hmm. know? And um, I just try to take things in perspective. Um, I tell you what, you know, I mean, any drugs or alcohol is not going to enhance my life any any more than what I already got going on, you know? So, yeah. so the allure of it is just... Uh, it's just not there, man. Like, I don't think about it. I don't wake up every day thinking, damn, I got to stay sober today. Now, that first year, you know, first six months, first, you know, month or two, yeah, that was on my mind. But, um, you know, I pretty much just found a way of living uh, and not just like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do this. I right. can't. 
go play pool because there's alcohol right. being served or you know i mean i'm not going to go to the bar and just sit at the bar and hang out while everyone's getting drunk but i can go anywhere i want i'm a free man today mm-hmm. you know what i mean like the that it doesn't have power over me today just as long as i don't take that first whatever yeah and the, the funny thing is i was talking to <laughs> one of my buddies who did some time and we were just talking about this whole COVID thing and he just laughed mm-hmm. because the fact that i said alcohol sales are up you know people mm-hmm. with time on their hands they don't know what to do they don't know how to deal with quote unquote being locked down and he was saying i survived two years in jail and so i was trying to steal yeah. from him i'm like well how did you how did you manage to do that i mean because you just in this little four by four cell every single yeah. day so bring on a pandemic and he just said what he did was every day he had a structure that he lived by. So, at the, you mm-hmm. know, he would do push-ups. He would write a letter. So his day was structured, which did not give his mind time too often to wander into these places where he knew it would be a death trap. You know, if he started to get angry or started to relive the wrong things. So he put together just a routine. And I was like, wow, you know, something like that we could learn in a time like this from someone who was locked up in a penitentiary you know who had to deal with that every single day so i just think i just think that's kind of funny but it's it's great that we can can learn from that so how do you yeah, absolutely. go ahead go ahead no you go ahead you know once you get in that routine mm-hmm. i mean man i i haven't stopped since i got sober you know i mean i you know i wake up i go to work i get my work done and um you know, there's just some things that, that I picked up along the way, you know, um, activity, you know, I'm a big hiker, mountain biker, skateboarder, mm-hmm. different, you know, different things to, to keep me busy. And right. um, so before before I had the girls, you know, I would I would go to work all day, work eight, ten hours, uh, get home from work. And, you know, my you know, I came in in bad shape when I first got sober. I was, you know, 140 pounds and um, just a sickly, sickly human being, you know, just right. sick. And, uh, you know, after a few months of being uh nothing in my system i started okay i'm gonna go hike this mountain over here you know mm-hmm. camelback mountain uh piastawa peak mountain um and it just became a thing to where that's what i did i you know i went to work i got home you know might want to take a nap and, and chill out and relax but instead i would just throw my gym shorts on throw on my hiking shoes go run up that mountain real quick mm-hmm. uh get home eat dinner you know just just got into a routine where you know every I mean, I probably should rest more than I do, but, um, you know, it, it keeps me busy. It keeps, it's, that's my meditation time. That's where I release, you know, every, every moment's not all hunky dory, but, um, right. you know, it's like, Hey, I got to go hit this mountain real quick, real quick. As soon as I'm done, I feel, you know, even, even killed. It's kind of, you know, we all have, um, you know, things that, that we need to do to stay balanced, I guess. You know? yeah, and I guess this, you know, you know, oh, there's no such thing as a dumb question. This might be a dumb question, but I know that you had certain things that kept you locked in, that kept you driven, that kept you going down the right path before you had Jabu. How has that situation and that joy impacted your will to continue down the right path? I mean, man, it just it just solidified my whole existence. I want to just show these kids what you know, what my opinion of life is, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we laugh, we go, we do things, you know, I mean, we're, we're busy bodies, you know, we, we like riding our bikes, 
we like going to the skate park and riding our scooters and skateboards and uh we hike all the time you know i mean i'm pretty sure my uh my you know i'm pretty sure ellie's been to the top of camelback more mountain more than most people you know right, what i mean right. um i would throw her on and throw her on my back you know when she came along it was like all right cool well you're on the team this is what we do you know and i would you know carry her up to the top of that mountain almost you know every day once she was old enough to hold her head up on her own <laughs> but uh yeah man having kids has been uh it's been a um you know, it just solidifies, it tries your patience and stuff, but it just course, solidifies that's normal. Yeah. what you're, you know, I I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, and, and just seeing the the joy on their faces and I don't know, man, it's just, uh, it, it's just another, another added factor to an already awesome life that I've kind of been, you know, I feel like it's been given to me from God, I guess, right. you know, just but doing the right thing for for an ex a period of time okay cool well i just got two more <clears throat> questions for you the one one question is what would this joe today say to the joe maybe 15 years ago uh i mean the same thing i told myself then you either need to get in or get out you know <laughs> get on board and, and fucking make and do it if you want to get sober get sober if you don't want to get sober, then quit being a fucking pussy and go go do it. You know, go mm -hmm. to go to prison. Go do what the big boys do. Go go get done. You know, go die. You know, <laughs> right? Um, I was I was always half in, half out. Um, you know, I did as much as I could until like I couldn't take it anymore, and then I would go to rehab or go to a halfway house or you know. So I spent a good few years just going back and forth and that was kind of a miserable thing you know and i kind of drug family and friends through it with me i guess either either go do it or, or don't you know right. make up your mind and and follow through with one or the other get right. busy living or get busy dying i guess you know yeah and the cold part is you know i've been around a lot of addicts in my life <clears throat> you know and this was back in the day that that was just uncle johnny you know i didn't know he was a drunk i didn't know he had a problem you know, that wasn't yeah. on my radar, but, you know, you pass yeah. by Uncle Johnny and he's slumped over in the chair with pee in his lap. You just laugh at it yeah. as a kid, like, oh, Uncle Johnny. But then when I looked yeah. into my auntie, his wife's eyes, therein lies the pain. Because, you know, they say uh, the addict is the one that goes to bed high or drunk and the family is the one that wakes up with the hangover, you know. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, last question, my friend. Since you are on the I Am Necessary podcast, what makes Joe Mullins necessary? The bottom line, Marcel, is I just want to be a good son. Mm -hmm. I just want to be a good son, a good dad, a good husband. You know what I mean? Um, you know, ultimately, that's my goal. Actions speak louder than words. Right. You know, if someone can look at me and say, damn, that dude has a fucking awesome relationship with his wife, you know? Or someone can look at me and say, damn, that dude fucking kills it with his kids. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or, um, or damn, you know, his mom's his best friend. You right. know what I mean? Right. Like, my, my goal, you know, is, is just to, to do my part, you know. I've, yeah. I've, I've been a taker, you know, back when I was, you know, before I got sober. It was, gimme, 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 what can I get out of life? And now I kind of want to, you know, just, just give to life a little bit. 
and um, you know, ultimately, I, I just want to kill it, stay in shape, mm-hmm. and uh, um, you know, anybody can talk about it. I'm, I'm more about being about it, you know. So yeah, I am necessary. Yeah, and I was gonna interject. You know, when you said you don't think anybody's necessary, you know, you are. You just named every reason under the sun why you are necessary because if you were for some strange reason taken from your family that would devastate them so to ellie and owen you're definitely necessary and to lauren you're definitely necessary to your mother you're definitely necessary and to our family uh the impact of our family you know the extensions and everything you are definitely necessary. So I think you need to hear that because a lot of people are like, I don't know, it's just me. I'm just Marcel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or I'm just sure. Joe. You know what I mean? But you have no idea of the people that you impact, you know, and I could probably say, I go out on a limb and say like Ben has definitely taken a lot from you and vice versa. But, you know, sometimes, Absolutely. yeah, we need to sit down and say, wow, you know, I really, shit, I got something to give. You know, I really have impacted a life or two and these are the ones that we know about there are somebody probably uh at your work who's looking up to you like man this dude like you said you looked up to people who went to work got it done you know during your journey i can promise you there's somebody out there that is looking up to you you know whether it's somebody in recovery or the cold part is it's probably somebody who probably has no idea you know of your journey and they're looking at you like this dude has it together and you would be like, wait, is he talking to me? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Right. So, you know, sometimes we need to sit down and pat ourselves on the back and take inventory of the things that we've done because that is what validates us and that is, you know, what drives us and that is what challenges us to do the right thing when nobody is looking because I believe to somebody in the world, each of us are indeed necessary. All right. Absolutely. All right, man, that's it, Joe. You know, you can breathe now. Thank you so much, man, for taking this time and to share your story. Um, Hell yeah, thanks, Marcel. I absolutely, it, brother. So, I didn't fuck it up for you. <laughs> it's all good. Man. It's all good. So thank all of you for tuning in to the I Am Necessary podcast. This is your boy, Marcel. And as always, whatever you do in life, be needed, be necessary, and I'm out.